Thanks for downloading show 129 of the C-Suite podcast that we're recording in partnership with Finson Technologies. My name is Russell Goldsmith and the discussion in this episode is about how we get the workplace functioning safely again, giving employees confidence to return now that COVID-19 restrictions are starting to be lifted. Joining me online to talk through their experiences of the last 12 months and share their learnings and some of the plans they have in place are Mark Husband, Corporate Environment Health and Safety Manager at Dover Fueling Solutions. Uh, Mark is based in Dundee, Scotland. And then from Maryland in the US is Petter Raba, uh, Vice President Meetings and Events Global Operations at Marriott International, uh, meaning we have representatives from manufacturing and the hospitality sectors. Uh, also on the call is Bill Passmore, Chief Executive Officer of our partners for this episode, Vincent Tech Group, um, who specialise in the design and manufacture of UVC disinfection products. And so we'll be hearing about how Vincent's products are being effectively utilised across both Mark and Petter's industries, but also across healthcare too. And finally, as Bill focuses on UVC, we'll also hear from Dr. Tina Joshi, lecturer in molecular microbiology at the University of Plymouth, who I caught up with recently to find out a little bit more about the science behind how UVC technology works and how effective it is against COVID-19 and other viruses. So as always, lots to get through. Bill, let's come to you first. Um, Why were you so keen to bring these guys together and have this conversation now? Well, thanks very much, Russ. Um, yeah, we're very keen to engage with uh, with industry, get their perspectives, get the different perspectives um, wider than than healthcare. We we as a business are engaged in healthcare on a daily basis, but uh, of course, getting the workplace back to normality, getting footfall in through um, businesses, looking after employees, etc., within industry manufacturing is extremely important. So to get Petters and Mark's perspective on the wider aspect, of course, born in healthcare, but everybody conducts healthcare everywhere they are, whether they're working, they're playing, and um, just getting back to normal is, is really what we're looking at. Great perspective from Mark and Petter will be valued. Brilliant. Well, let's get to know our our two guests then, their businesses and how the past 12 months have been. Mark, we should obviously highlight that um, you are a customer of Finson. But um, first off, can you tell us a little bit about Dover Corp and what the workplace has been like during the pandemic? Because you've got very different environments in in terms of the workplace because you've got the office, the shop floor and the the factories, of course. Yeah, thanks, Russell. I work for a company called Dover Fueling Solutions. We're part of Dover Corporation, who are a publicly listed US company, trade on the uh, New York Stock Exchange. And uh, our part of the business, Dover Fueling Solutions, concentrates on retail petroleum and manufacturing, particularly of petrol pumps and associated equipment on the forecourt, such as gauging, levelling equipment, point of sale systems, uh, digital wet stock monitoring, and a variety of other uh, different aspects of, of downstream retail fueling. Our headquarters are Dover Fueling Solutions in Austin, Texas, but our European headquarters is here in Dundee, where we have a large manufacturing centre, employs about 500 direct staff, and uh, then you have supporting engineering and, and finance and other functions that, that come into that uh, office space. And yeah, wh- what a year it's been. It's uh, It's really been learning how to deal with a pandemic and becoming a pandemic expert when you knew nothing really about it before has been a huge learning curve. Like you alluded to, we have a real mix of direct labour workforce, a shop floor, of support staff, of engineering groups. Um, we have remote employees. We also have leadership teams that, that, that sit in the site as well. So we had to adapt very quickly to not only local government guidance, but we also had to adapt to our corporate 
uh, requirements. So our, our corporate team put together a package of response measures that each site should uh, should really be looking to meet, and we were part of that to that building process. The site here in Dundee, we've had a long history of, of being a safety-minded company. Our product that goes onto the, the pedal forecourt has to to meet some pretty strict safety uh, safety requirements, and as such, you're dealing with petrol and petrol retail, we've had a uh, safety as a core value for a number of years at Dover Fueling Solutions. And I think that that stood us in good stead in the pandemic and the beginning of trying to learn how to live with COVID. We, of course, had to send immediately everybody home when lockdown hit here in, in, in Scotland. And over the next four or five days, we then found out we could reopen again. We were a, an essential business supplying the fueling and transport sector. So we had to quickly uh, COVID-proof the, uh, the, the the factory. So we had a variety of measures we had to put in there, including your distancing, your stickers, you know, enhanced hygiene measures. And we, we, we then had to try and safely bring people back into the workplace, which we, we had to go over a number of different aspects there. People's reluctance to come back into work, people's fear of the pandemic, you know, people, people acting very irrationally about things that, that, you know, normally they would have been fine with. And, and the flip side of that as well, we had a whole part of our business that, that were just immediately sent home in a temporary working from home situation who had to suddenly work out how to do their job sitting in their house on their sofa or you talk about ergonomics of, of seating and things like that when people are sitting on a, a kitchen stool or with people that were living in like a one bedroom bed set and we had to deal with the mental health side of that as well as the mental health of the people that were, were, were coming in so it was a mixture of physical and mental health challenges that we um that we came across as well as having to learn you know about a pandemic about how uh, how viruses spread about you know teaching people to not touch their face or their nose or their, their mouth when that had been something to be normalized to for years you know we, we really had a few real steep learning curves that we um that we had to go through and it was great leaning on other parts of the, the dover corporate you know they, they've got 27 different different operating companies under Dover Corporation. There's a wealth of experience from industrial hygienists to people that have dealt with chemical weapons before in, in, a, in a military sense. So we had, had a lot of different experience that we could tap into that kind of improved the overall COVID safe program that we were putting into our sites here in Dundee as well as the other sites around the globe. So um, it, it's, been, it's been a phenomenal year um, uh, in dealing with everything from physical health challenges to really like that, that mental health piece, which I'm, I'm quite passionate about myself. I'm a mental health first aider. It's been something that we've really um, stepped up our game in the last year in, in terms of supporting people's mental health and really understanding people's um, people's challenges when it comes to dealing with a pandemic. A lot of stuff to, to think about and and and, uh, and manage. I mean, Petter, for, I mean, obviously, listeners would assume would be a little bit maybe more familiar with Marriott as, as a business, but, I mean, hospitality has been hugely impacted. Yeah, no, first of all and foremost, Bill and, and Russell, thank you for having me here today. It's a, it's a great to be here with you. Uh, you are absolutely right. I mean, uh, business in, in our 7,000-plus hotels has been impacted dramatically. I mean, we, we started earlier in the beginning of uh, last year in China, where we shut down majority of our hotels, and then we continued uh, the impact in, in our Asia-Pacific region and then move into Europe. Uh, Middle East and Africa, and then to United States. So, so you know, majority of our hotels have been closed. Uh, if hotels have been open, they have been running below ten percent occupancy, and uh, all the meeting space and all the restaurants have been closed. So, unfortunately, we had to uh, put a lot of our employees on furlough, 
And then, then moving forward, unfortunately, we need to resize some of the operations in our hotels. So we had to let go some of our, our employees. You know, for me personally, uh, I had the great pleasure to start a new job. So I moved in uh, in the middle of March from Asia Pacific, from Hong Kong, from one pandemic into another one in the United States. And I started uh, started a new job. So I, I, I highly recommend to try this experience for somebody to start a new job in, a, in during pandemic. Uh, but it was great learning for us. It was great learning. And, you know, what was very important that all the continents and all the hotels were pulling together to make sure that we come out of this very strong. So first thing first, what we did, we focus on cleanliness in, in our business, making sure that when we welcome our guests back to our hotels, our hotels are super clean. So what we did together with our internal experts, as well with our external experts, where we had a, a panel of uh, microbiologists, we had a science uh, professionals to help us to put together a, a protocols for our hotels, what they need to do as they reopen. So we called commitment to clean. So commitment to clean really for us is a guidance for the hotels, how they should clean their hotels as they welcome our guests back ensuring that we do our due diligence and, and keep our employees and our guests safe. So commitment to clean is basically 10 standards that we put together with our experts, what the hotels needs to do moving forward. A year in, into this, I think, you know, we are in a much better shape. We do some green shoots in, in our business. Obviously, China is, is going back to regular business. Europe and, and United States are slowly but surely coming back where we see the occupancies rising up. And with that, again, we can bring some of our uh, employees back to our hotels and, and bring them back to our jobs. Are you in a slightly different situation because your workplace is the same place as where your, your guests are staying? So you're dealing with both there, aren't you, in terms of confidence of bringing guests in, but also people working in, in that environment at the same time. Absolutely. And that's why we want to make sure that we, you know, protect our guests and our employees, you know. So that's why we have these high standard protocols that we put in place. And, and some of them starting with really a basics, you know, uh, make sure you wash hands uh, frequently, make sure you wear masks. So again, Marriott was one of the first hotel chains that implemented mask mandates in the business. So absolutely, we want to make sure as we bring those back, that applies for both guests and, and our associates, more importantly. Right. Mark, you touched on a few things as you were just explaining what the year's been like. What other things have you put in place to create that safe environment? Yeah, we, we went through a, a process where we created a COVID-19 playbook. It's a playbook term has been used in our operational excellence side of our business for quite a while but the playbook itself was a guide in how you could successfully covid proof your your business and uh, we created that in conjunction with our parent company dover corporate and uh, it, it touched on everything from distancing employees from each other putting up physical barriers uh, identifying high touch areas putting in sanitizing regimes uh, putting in um, physical hygiene uh, regimes, segregating everything from creating a space between every other car in the car park to, to, to give a distance from there right the way through to urinals and, and then toilet cubicles being put out of action to allow it for space. We, we investigated a number of different um, products and services to help us with our, our sanitization because it was one of the things that we really felt we needed to, to have a strong game on. Uh, initially, we, we had a look at through our, 
our cleaning company using different uh, sanitizing products and we went through a number of different gels and sprays and cleaning cloths and materials and we moved from then on to a sanitizing fog that we used in the building here in Dundee and it was used on a reactive measure and a proactive measure so reactively we were we were using the sanitizing fog every time we would have a case or somebody who was symptomatic thereafter their area or the common areas would be the sanitizing fog used on it we were also doing it proactively every six weeks we were using uh, the, the fogging company to go through the entire building and uh, and, and fog it the, the downside to that is though that you can't really see the fog you, you can't really smell the fog nobody was able to tangibly have any effect from the fog uh, although we, we you tell people there is a cloak of safety here it is in there and that was part of a reason for for looking into alternative hygiene tools and our parent company Dover got in contact with us to say they had a you know, they had found a sanitizing robot and I thought this was fantastic. You know, I thought I had the idea of a Roomba kind of machine going around and, and sanitizing my uh, my factory space for me. But then we uh, we, we entered into uh, discussions with Bill at, at, at Finson and found out what the, what the UVC robot was. And that was a game changer for us. It was something we were able to physically take and implement and, and, and put around our factory floor and give people a real confidence boost. That was one of our uh, our tools that we had. We, we also had to completely revamp the way that we operated in our factory. It did put a complete distancing process in where we looked at the flow of our materials coming onto the production lines, going up to the finishing areas, loading them onto trucks. And the, the way that we we laid out our, our facility, it's a, it's a large facility, we had to completely revamp that from material coming into material leaving and putting a complete one-way system into the site where people and materials could move in a singular route to try and limit the spread with the uh, look at different ways to ventilate the the facility because we used to force ventilation, so we had to had to change that and uh, adapting fire doors to to make them into ventilation doors and working out angles where wind could come through uh, uh, one end of the building going to the other. All those sort of things were 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 headaches to begin with but things we we managed to overcome and true to say you got involved in many things you never dreamt that you would be getting into no um a bit like uh, a bit like petter and uh and russell and myself it, it was bill you know i never thought i would spend a friday night with hazardous tape taping off a urinal for pandemic purposes but it was uh it, it was astonishing the things we got up to yeah and finding ways i think to give people confidence in your system was one of the the challenges for us because they had a lot of media uh, out uh, out there that was sometimes false media sometimes misinformation you had people making up their own versions of what you were and weren't allowed to do i mean into the stage of looking at car sharing or using public transport you know we we at one point in time that was frowned upon by the government to get on a bus or, or to share a car so we had to even go to the stage of mm-hmm. linking up with a local bicycle recycling company and saying hey could we make a deal with you to buy recycled bicycle a helmet and a safety vest and we'll give that to the people to allow them to come into work safely so they didn't have to risk getting on a bus or or, or sharing a car so it was real and it was an end-to-end spectrum of things that we were looking at so we just took a pause there because um mark needed to move into another room because it was getting a bit noisy in his office there but um mark you you were just saying about investing in in one of the uvc robots how how have you actually used that in the actual factory floor then we've found it extremely beneficial uh, russell it's been it's been an incredible piece of kit to bring onto the site. We we've deployed it both in a proactive and a reactive sense. Reactively, in the event of any cases or any suspected cases, we have a positive case protocol that we roll out every single time, and that involves the sanitization of that person's work area, their tools, and any common areas that that person might have been in. So we we find that we could use the UVC 
robot for that. We have also used it uh, proactively. We we scoped out the factory into different zones, which we marked on the floor with stickers. And those stickers were numbered, and that number associated itself with a chart uh, and a logbook. So you could then, at the end of every evening, you could take the UVC robot, put it down on that area, uh, plug it in, set it up, and uh, and have it do its uh, do its work while you were uh, off site. Then in the morning, people come in, they take the robot, they put it into the safe storage area for it, and they mark off on the logbook that that area has been done that evening. So it was a way of working into our. We had a two shift pattern in the in this factory. We have a day shift and a and a back shift, and the back shift ends at half past one in the morning. So between half past one in the morning and uh, seven o'clock, when when people restart again, we were able to then do individual different segments of the shop floor area. Therefore, over a small amount of time, you can do the entire factory floor uh, in, a, in a regular sanitizing. Bill, just listening to what Mark had to say there, I mean, in terms of within a factory, I'm assuming you've got a huge amount of floor space that you know it's full of equipment that might be typically difficult to actually clean. How can we be sure that you know such areas are being cleaned efficiently with UVC? Well, with our particular technology, we've, we've encompassed a number of different, um, different aspects. Uh, for example, we have military specification LIDAR, which is kind of light and, light and ranging, effectively radar, that measures the room to millimetre accuracy. Not only does it uh, measure the room, it measures the contents, the size, the shape, and the position of the contents as well. So it then takes all of those into account and it will actually decontaminate very efficiently, probably a 10 metre by 10 metre space, and then you move to another. So you can actually do it in a segmented approach and you can then work that around a workflow aspect like Mark's alluded to. You've always got people coming in and out of a space. So therefore, you, uh, in these new post-pandemic times, you're going to be looking to have a new protocol of working and people will adopt this as part of their, their daily regime. The fact is we can do... With our particular products, such as Thor, we can do small spaces such as cupboard up to an auditorium size. So it's about having that completely recorded, making sure from a health and safety point of view that we've also got that recording put into the cloud so we know who's operated it, where, when, how long, how strong. And we have a number of other initiatives and products coming up as well because Thor not only cleans the surfaces, but it cleans the air at the same time. So we have that aspect. And we also have other products that are still also on the Internet of Things, connected, and they put reports into the infection control professional's uh, inbox, if you like, making sure that we're talking about the air integrity in an events or a meeting room or, uh, or, or the cafeteria where, where staff go. And it's interesting we've actually got uh, the two gentlemen today because they represent exactly the two areas over and above healthcare of of industry in in the world so effectively we've got huge employers where we have a lot of people coming to work in an industrial space a manufacturing space an office space and also you've got the business to customer relationship that peter has with uh, his end user because that's about confidence that's about getting people coming back into that meeting hall that uh, that hotel that environment the event the gym at, uh, at Marriott, for argument's sake. And we've got that confidence level has to be built by the end user, with the end user, 
And then that means that they come back into the facility and it generates an upward spiral as opposed to the downward spiral that we've been experiencing lately, or in fact, just the dead stop that we've all encountered. Sure. Well, it's probably a good time to hear from uh, Dr. Tina Joshi then. As I mentioned earlier, Dr. Joshi is a lecturer in microbiology at the University of Plymouth. And as I wanted to understand a little bit more about the science behind UVC technology, uh, when we spoke, I started by asking her to explain how UVC disinfection works from a microbiological perspective, but also why it's effective against COVID. COVID-19 and other viruses. So UVC is a type of ultraviolet light in the electromagnetic spectrum. It exists between X-rays and visible lights. That's between 100 nanometers and 400 nanometers. The UVC that we're interested in is highly germicidal. That is actually between 200 and 300 nanometers. And what that actually does is it actually disinfects bacteria and viruses and other microorganisms in a really, really simple way. It disrupts their nucleic acids. So that's their DNA and their RNA. And that, in effect, makes them or renders them ineffective so they can't do what they intend to do which is infect people and their cellular functions also are disabled whenever we use uvc light so it's an optimal way of disinfecting viruses are really interesting because they autonomously replicate and they're acellular so that means that they're technically not alive and the thing is about uvc light what that will do is when it actually enters a virus or the virus is succumbing to it it will damage the nucleic acids in the virus's core so that could be the dna or rna in the case of coronavirus it is rna that's damaged and that means the virus can't continue to replicate that means it, its life cycle can't continue and thus the uvc will work so it stops it from actually doing what it wants to do which is again get into a host and infect that host so it's really optimal to disinfect covid19 with uvc light what about as the virus mutates? Well, with the current variants of COVID-19, the mutations are within the RNA genome. And the thing is about UVC light, that will not have any effect on the way that the virus mutates. The UVC itself will damage the RNA no matter whether it's got a mutation or not. So it's no, no actual consequence to actual UVC use if the virus has a mutation or not. Tina, are there any downsides to uh, using UVC? I think the only downside to using UVC is that there should be no humans in the room or, or the place where the UVC is being implemented. But that is only for literally about a minute or two minutes. So the two minutes, you know, you can disinfect a room really, really rapidly. And it's fast, it's effective, it's user friendly, and it's a much better way of disinfecting by hand using chemical substances. So there's only a small uh, you know, disadvantage to using UVC light. And I think that's very, very minor considering the benefits of using UVC light when compared to biocides and disinfectants like hypochlorites for example and the reason for that is is a lot of bacteria right now have developed resistance to hypochlorites that's chlorine releasing agents what that means is is that it's important we have a viable alternative like uvc lights that can actually be used to disinfect these particular bacteria that are able to start resisting disinfectant use petra am i am i right in saying that maria is using UV technology, but on a you know much smaller scale, because um, you, you're using it to clean key cards and, and things like that. Is that right? Yeah, no, Russell, you're absolutely right. I think back in last year, we, we started to look in the UV technology and we did run some of our tests in our hotels. And I know the technology evolved uh, as, as obviously when we went through this pandemic. But our ma major challenge was really uh, the scale, you know, the number of rooms. If you think about hotel with seven, 800 rooms and moving that UV equipment from room to room, which was slightly challenging for us. But we definitely found a solution where we are using the UV technology 
technology. So for example, if you come and check into our hotels, you will get a key card. So what we are doing in our hotels, we are using the UV technology that disinfect those, those key cards after our guests are, are checking out from our hotels. Now, other things that you've put in place, obviously, you've, you've recently released your Connect with Confidence program for customers. Do you want to just talk us through what's involved in that? Absolutely. Thank you. I think, you know, for all what we do, uh, the end goal is instill confidence for our customers to bring them back to our business and bring them back to our meeting spaces. So that was the end goal for us from the very beginning of the pandemic. So after we developed the uh, cleaning protocols, as I mentioned earlier, we moved on and developed a protocols for a meeting and events. So, so for us, we developed Connect with Confidence, which basically maps the entire journey from the customer arrival all the way to the meeting space and to departure. And it really breaks down the entire experience in in various sections. So you will have pre-event phase. So we talk about various things like a um, contactless arrivals. Then we move into the check-in. So how do we do check-in in our hotels today? where you can uh, register, be our Merit Bonvoy member. With that, you don't have to go to the desk, so you can register and check in without going to the desk. And in some of the locations, you will be able to use our mobile key where you don't have to have these key cards to get into your room. So it, it I guess, enables our guests to go into the hotel and then use their, their mobile phones and then basically put their phone in front of the key in the guest room and that will open your door. So we've been on this for quite some time. Obviously this uh, this needs a lot of investments from our owners, you know, change their locks to mobile keys. So we are on the journey, you know, to support our digital platforms in our hotels to install all the keys in, in majority of our hotels. Right. And, and, and then in this journey, you know, with Connected Confidence, you go into a various aspects. So really the Connect with Confidence program needs to instill confidence to our meeting planners to come back and really focusing on six key pillars, which is the commitment to clean, I mentioned. It's uh, the contactless solutions for our hotels. Then talks about social distancing, reimagined food and beverage. Uh, So a lot of things that we do in our food and beverage today are different. Uh, We're focusing on individual packaging uh, or more grab-and-go buffets. If they are in place, they will have individual sneeze guards we're making sure that whatever equipment is used by the guests is sanitized and, and exchanged every 20 minutes. And uh, again, the last piece to, to, to this puzzle is hybrid meetings. You know, hybrid meetings critically important for our business. And what we are trying to do with hybrid meetings, ensuring that we have guests joining in person in our hotels and the rest of them joining them virtually. So we found solution for our meeting planners to host hybrid meetings in our hotels. Last but not least is is flexible terms. We need to be flexible with our guests, making sure they book meeting in our hotels. We honor that and we understanding that things might change down the road. So being flexible critically important for our business. Just coming back on, on a couple of the things you said there, what happens if attendees are bringing their own items to into the, the meeting environment? So water bottles, for example, something like that. Or, or if you've got, you know, a typical conference will have a breakout area, you've got all the exhibitor spaces, quite often they give away their freebies, the pens or whatever it is that, that they're going to be handing out. Are you going to be focusing on making sure that those are all sanitized, you know, before reaching the venue? Yes, we do. So 
typically what applies to our our own hotels, uh, making sure what comes into a hotel is is sanitized. And we ask all our vendors and our meeting planners as well to follow our protocols as well. So whatever comes into the hotel needs to be sanitized. We have uh, definitely a lot of sanitizing stations and sanitizing equipment available for our guests. All our water is being bottled. Uh, we, we don't offer a fountains anymore. And if a customer wants to bring in water, they are perfectly fine to do that. Again, as long as they are not sharing it with anybody else. And if they do have uh, things they are giving away, we definitely want to ensure that these items are sanitized. But we see a little bit less of that in today's world where customers will do a lots of giveaways. And if they do, they typically are something that I use for the meetings. So they're giving away masks, they are giving away useful items uh, that can be used throughout the conference. Right. And what about, again, going back to one of the other aspects of, of the um, the Connect with Confidence, the, the food and beverage, how difficult is it going to be managing that supply chain, you know, that food supply chain, if, for example, a key supplier suffers an outbreak or something like that, you know, is that going to be difficult in terms of measuring all that and keeping all the safety in place there? Well, we're doing it today, Russell. I mean, some of our hotels are open today. They run quite substantial occupancy and, and they run food and beverage as well. So we are in the business today. We obviously, as I mentioned earlier, asking our uh, vendors to comply with our guidelines and we have a list of preferred vendors that Merit is using that we know uh, that they are safe and we as well anticipate and that they will inform us if they have any challenges with COVID outbreak you know and as as the food comes into the hotel on on our entry point to the hotel we again making sure that all the equipment that is coming to hotel is sanitized and then as they go through the operations. Bill, in, in the discussions that, that you've been having, you know, with the hospitality in- industry, what challenges have they said they're facing when looking to adopt things that, that you're providing in terms of the UVC technology? Well, I think one of the main things, as we mentioned a little earlier, is that uh, the rooms we want to fill with people. We want to have confidence. We want to have people in those rooms enjoying and working safely. The fact is, of course, if you've got rooms full of people, then you have to kind of logistically manage that. So what we've also done is we've we've brought into, into being, and we're actually just about to launch some a further range of products where um, you can be using and sanitizing the air on a constant basis with very high-level filtration and UVC technology whilst people are occupying the spaces. And we're, we're dealing with large events and large businesses and gatherings of people, if you like. So if we can reduce the bio burden in the air, what it means is it mean it makes the UVC technology such as the robots even more efficient because you can actually reduce the bio burden, therefore less is going to be on the surfaces and in the air at the time. And then we can have, um, uh, if you like, a, a spaced out um, sporadic uh, approach to the, uh, to the UVC decontamination uh, for the robots coming into the into the space, so therefore you can manage the logistics. I think really good point that uh, that Peter raised is uh, with regards to having the integrity throughout your supply chain. Marriott, a, a confidence that um, people are having is that you're 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 looking to Marriott and other large suppliers where you spend leisure time and meeting time to manage that safety and compliance throughout the supply chain to that event. 
And it's interesting as well that um, whilst we have huge standards in food preparation and food packaging, and then um, also at the at the hotel end as well, we have to make sure that the transportation, often between supermarkets and large um, wholesale guys, have actually got that um, integrity maintained there. We've found in in Europe as well that uh, you know what, there's no rules and regulations about the sanitation of trucks. Um, bringing the food that everybody has diligently managed very, very well to the end user who's got fantastic kitchens and, and safety in place. But the fact is the, the trucks need to be part of that. It's the continuum. It's like the, the ISO chain, for argument's sake, where you're dealing with people that you know have got strategies in place to look after the integrity of your business as the, um, as the purchaser. So it's, 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 a, it's a community aspect, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Mark, just coming back to, you know, what your situation and the fact that we talked earlier about the fact that you've got, you know, office, shop floor, factory workers, has that proved a challenge at all in getting, you know, or or rather how your teams have felt about coming back to the workplace? I think it's a really good point, Russell. And I think at the beginning of the pandemic, you you had a situation where we had to send everybody at home immediately. And then we were able to return slowly, incrementally and safely the direct workforce. The, the, the people are actually turning the screws and putting the panels on and doing, doing those hands-on tasks. And I think at the beginning, there was naturally a feeling that the, the office workers or the support staff, they really had landed on their feet because they didn't have to come back in. They didn't have to risk themselves. They were safe at home, working from home all the time. There was there was an aspect of, well, you know, we we might have to come in, but you guys are, 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 are kind of safer. So a, a lot of our job was centered around giving confidence to people to come into to work and to show them that the workplace was as safe as we could possibly make it. And, uh, and and we really had to go the extra mile to do that because people naturally were very, very scared to, to do something that had done for, for maybe up to 40, 50 years, come into their workplace. And, and we had a fear element there that we really had to work hard to, to, to try and conquer. And uh, yeah, the, the, the people working from home in the beginning probably did feel a little bit safer. But as the time went on and we had subsequent lockdown upon lockdown, I think we went to three possible lockdowns. I think it was, uh, Bill might be able to correct me if I'm, I'm wrong. I think it was three in the UK. It's all blurred into one, Mark. It's all blurred into one. It's just been one uh, one long uh, sort of a penal sentence almost, hasn't it? It's uh, uh, But these people who have gone to work from home then subsequently probably suffered more because they, they were in a situation where, yes, they were safe in the first instance and they didn't have to get over that coming into work piece. But then they, they they found a very blurred line between when your work ends and your your home life begins, and naturally they they, they got to a stage of, of of feeling quite frustrated and and feeling um, probably like their their mental health suffered more than the people who had to get over initially coming back into work. And so working at that end of it as well, dealing with the mental health challenges of people who have been cooped up in possibly the same room for for uh, for a year. Um, that, that previously enjoyed coming into work and you know socializing and mixing with people that, that, that's been interesting and, and quite tough in a different way as well and you know giving people light at the end of that tunnel is very difficult when you don't control the outcome right the outcome's dictated for you by governments or by health advisory bodies so it, it's been different challenges at different times in the pandemic Russell and I do think there was a, a certainly in the beginning a huge 
focus of ours was giving people that confidence and things like the UVC technology, investing in in high-end equipment really gave us that that, that leverage to say, look, we're not just giving a, a token gesture to COVID-19. We are making some, some investment into uh, into future tech solutions that are really going to protect this business and protect you and protect your families. Do, do the employees understand that technology? Do, does it give them more confidence? I think on a basic level, it's very well understood what it does. I don't, I don't think the very mechanics of it and the science behind it are, are a lot more difficult to understand. And as Bill knows from our conversations, I, I, I took a long time to understand exactly how it worked and what it did. And it's really interesting. But I think the main part of what we're doing is giving people confidence. We're saying we're bringing something in that will destroy COVID-19 particles. And, and on a very basic level, that is that's a huge confidence boost to people. And I think I think overall, though, the, the, the system works, right? With the UVC technology being part of that system, you know, the, the distancing, the the spacing in the car parks, the everything that we, we, we talked about, the enhanced hand hygiene, the infection control piece where we, we don't take any chances with anybody with symptoms or anybody with positive cases. We have our own case management protocol that anybody who has been in contact with somebody who has possibly got COVID-19, we interview them, we make sure we do the contact tracing. We don't leave just, just up to government or, or health board agencies. We go and do our own control of that. And, and that has resulted in a lot more people being asked to stay off site for maybe 10 or 14 days. But it, it's a confidence builder. We're showing to people that, 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 that safety is a core value to us, their safety, their family's safety. And if that means that we then go above and beyond in, in our approach, to it, then we're absolutely prepared to do that. I'll mention something there as well, uh, Russell, and Petter mentioned it earlier as well. Mark um, hit it on the head. It's about the protocol. There's no silver bullet with with all this. There's no one thing that's going to actually make everything okay again. It's actually a continuum of actions and protocols that we put together. I always use the analogy that if you buy the equipment, that doesn't solve it. You've got to use it properly. You know, I bought a car. Doesn't mean I can get to the store. The protocol is I get in it. I put the key in the lock. I actually check everything. Then I drive to the store, do my grocery shopping, come back home, put it back in. That's my protocol. The fact is the use has to be there. So it has to be an appropriate protocol. And we're, we work with customers on the implementation because Mark's implementation will be completely different to how Petal would be looking at it from, from the events and, you know, the global, global approach from, from a, a Marriott perspective. There's an interesting aspect as well, and I think Mark mentioned it, is that um, we've got a lot of people that uh, their, their confidence may be knocked by the fact that there's a lot of Me Too product that come out in the marketplace. Everything that's got a lamp on it um, is now being seen to be disinfected. Well, Australia has just put in place, it's illegal to say that you've got any kind of sanitation methods with UVC unless you've proven it. Same with the EPA, um, the Environmental Protection Agency in the US. That's about, you've got to make sure you can verify your claims. That's about making sure you've got a safe establishment and they've been inspected and you can then deliver a product with science backing it to the to the um, individual and the end users. That's where confidence comes from. And I think if you're using the protocol and you're internally talking to people about this is what we're doing, then the confidence is pervasive with not only staff, because it starts with our staff and our, and our guys that work with us, our colleagues, and then it moves out and it becomes pervasive within our customer base. And people want to deal with safe, 
conscientious businesses such as Dover Dover Corp uh, Fueling Solutions and such as you know Marriott, where they're in, enacting and bringing in protocols for people's safety, and then the confidence happens. I'm going to give you a prime example. We we actually were doing some work with um, local gyms. And guess what? As soon as we started doing that, they then started telling in their newsletter, not only their staff, more staff were coming back. And we found that they've instantly improved their membership. They've literally, in the last two weeks, the membership has actually, I won't say quadrupled or anything like that, but there's been a significant uptick in people wanting to get back to exercising safely and going into those environments. And that's exactly where it comes from. Protocol equals confidence equals footfall equals business and back to work yeah yeah bill you're absolutely right and you know what we hear as well from our customers don't just just tell us show us so you know exactly we want to see how does it how does it work so so what we're doing right now for our customers as well you know they said well you have a connect with confidence you have a cleanliness protocols but that's great but show us how does it work what does it mean to host meeting in your environment today so what we're doing with a lot of customers today we are creating a, a meeting labs basically where we creating vignettes of a of a event so we're saying okay so if you would come to marriott this is your mobile check-in if you would have a food and beverage this is how the food and beverage will look like so creating these little pockets of vignettes and inviting our meeting planners to our hotels and showing them if you host an event in our hotel this is what it looks like I mean, it'd be interesting to get different perspectives here, but what's the cost of, of not taking infection control and, and disinfection seriously from, from an employer's point of view? And also, obviously, you're welcoming customers in, into the hotels as, as well and, and guests. Uh, you know, I'm just thinking from kind of like that risk of, of legal action and, and, you know, or is there increased insurance premiums maybe? No, not really uh, for, for us. I mean, obviously for us, really, uh, we are at the highest standards with all of our partners and we typically ask for a fairly a steep liability insurance uh, for anything we do because we have 7,500 plus hotels, you know, so you could imagine if we would have a challenge in one hotel that will affect all of them and more importantly will affect our owners who needs to pay for for their assets. So, so for us really uh, not much change in, in this time in terms of liability, really making sure that we select the right partners that, that we work with uh, from the very beginning that's critically important for us. Bill, let's come to you on this one. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm interesting uh, points really because we've we've actually entered into conversations with uh, insurance companies, and it's interesting. We've found from our own, we're, we're a private equity backed um, organisation. We're in forty countries. We engage with probably um, three hundred people per day involved in our business. We have direct staff everywhere. The directors and officers insurance in the last twelve months across the board internationally has nearly doubled the cost of that because what they're doing is they're passing the responsibility for the protocols that Mark and Peta have mentioned down to the companies to make sure that they have put that in place. So it's safe to come back to work. Come on back. Everybody come back to work. If it's not safe to come to work and they get something that's COVID, a workplace-associated infection, I think there's going to be some new language coming in here as well. We have hospital and healthcare acquired infections. Everybody's heard of those. Well, what about workplace acquired infections? And if you haven't got the right protocols and the right, uh, the right procedures in place, then of course the insurance companies um, will look at. Um, I've never been written to, uh, to, 
to by an insurance company who's told me that my premiums are going down and their coverage is going up. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. So therefore, what happens is it's a basically you, it's always kind of keeping the lid on it, keeping the lid on it, passing and deferring. And I'm saying that from a person that used to be heavily involved in insurance for finance. So we know how this how this kind of thing works. It's passing the responsibility over and making exemptions to the current cover. And I think we've got an opportunity with with our businesses two distinct businesses represented here, a business to business, i.e. dealing industrial to manufacturing and business to customer, where you're engaging with end users and footfall coming in through your reception, either to meetings or to the hotel um, aspects or leisure. We've got those two areas that um, you know will be very, very um, poignant in, in making this happen across the board. And insurance companies will be looking at how we react and how our protocols engage safety, health and safety, you know, the, the, the clues in the name, and they, they will use that. Mark, thoughts on, on that one? Yeah, my thoughts are more around the uh, litigious aspect of this, because I, I do think that post-pandemic, or even now we're, we're hearing rumblings of this, that there will be, not, not particularly for Dover Fueling Solutions, but within the industry in general, you've heard rumblings of lawsuits on the back of this, and people that, that might wish to claim against their employer for what they perceive to be a workplace transmission of COVID that could have been prevented. Uh, and, and I think you will have that question in, in possibly in a court of law or in a civil in a civil court, you know, was it preventable? Uh, could the business have done more? And therefore, are they culpable? And will they have to then pay some sort of fine uh, or penalty for this? And I, I do think post-pandemic, you might see uh, a number of different cases coming in, in, in all corners of the world for this kind of thing where businesses maybe have or maybe haven't put in the right protocols in place, but people have then gone on to be infected. And I think that the burden of proof will be quite difficult because you'd have to prove beyond mostly beyond doubt that you did acquire that infection within the workplace. But there will certainly be scrutiny on employers to say, well, did you do enough? Did you do enough? And I think that's a that's a big question for for, for some employers out there. I agree. I'm just kind of jumping in again uh, as well. And with regards to that, you've got the the old scenario, certainly in the UK, in UK and Europe, and, and of course, across uh, across the USA, where you have minors, pneumoconiosis, effectively, you know, that was a, a workplace acquired problem, um, asbestosis, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we've got that uh, that aspect coming in as well, the, the litigation that could come from it. And it's not only about coronavirus. It's about all other things. People are very used to this now. They're actually looking at what's the next pandemic? What's going to come up next? And if we've got a safe, a safe company and a safe um, environment to either work, play, you know, conduct business, have our care delivered, leisure, et cetera, then we're doing, doing the best we can. Well, on that note, Mark, I mean, do you think... In terms of like looking towards the future, has th- has this particular pandemic had an impact on behaviour change that that will change permanently for going forward? But you know, you know, what's the, what's the office and, and factory environment going to look like for you moving forward? First of all, the pandemic preparedness going forward, I think it is much better. Does particularly us uh, EHS professionals to do ready ourselves for a pandemic and hopefully for future pandemics. Although they're maybe not going to be exactly like COVID-19, I think we're in a much better place to understand how we respond and what measures we need to put in place and how quickly we need to do that as well. And I'd hope at a country and, and global level, countries have themselves had a bit of a wake-up call to just how quickly you have to react to these 
kind of events and and what measures you need to put into place and how quickly. Uh, I think when I look at, at our business, what what will change in the future, and I do think the work work at home, work in the office relationship will probably permanently change to some form of hybrid model where where people feel much happier to work from home and maybe split their time. It could be something like two days in the office, three days at home, or whatever suits their work-life balance. And I think employers are going to be much less rigid about allowing that scenario. Particularly in British business, it was a mentality before, if we couldn't see you in the office, then you couldn't possibly be giving us your all. And uh, I think that mindset will have changed now to, to more flexibility, more adaptability, and maybe a more outcome-based approach to management rather than a, a time-based approach to management of people. Peter, we we just coming back to your Connect with Confidence program, how easy, you know, again, just looking to the future, how easy is it going to be for you, you know, as a business to plan ahead, given, you know, we're, we're kind of mid to late April as, as we're recording this and still there's travel restrictions in place, business events are continuing to take place virtually rather than physically. At what point are you going to feel confident yourself, not not in terms of bringing people back, but actually planning as a business? Yeah, no, and uh, I think Mark talked about it a little bit earlier, right? As, as, as the countries are open and close and reopen again, I think, you know, we're going through the same way uh, across the globe, you know. We've seen great pickup in, in China. Then you had a Chinese New Year where the government restricted a lot of the travel. Then it went down. Now it's back up again. So so it's it's really, really difficult for us to, to project the business, you know, and, and some of the states here, again, open and close and go back. So for us, really, it's the focus is on the North Star, which is kind of the Q3, Q4 uh, of this year, where 60% of our meeting uh, planners are telling us uh, they would like to host a meeting towards the end of the year in person. We did recently survey with our uh, top customers, you know, and uh, 27% of them are saying they will host 100 plus attendees in person meeting in the Q3 and Q4 as things are more stable, as more people get vaccinated. So, so that's our main focus, you know, and, and we're focusing as well on hybrid meetings because hybrid meetings are here to stay. Our customers are telling us that 62% of them will most likely continue after all the restrictions are lifted. So they will host hybrid meetings. So that's that's where we'll be focusing on. And, and it is extremely difficult still at this point to protect uh, the business levels. We're focusing on uh, Q, Q3 and Q4 and really now go with all the changes and challenges we have as the states and countries are opening and closing at some point. You know, we have a lot of protocols in place. In addition to that, we offer solutions for testing. So if, if the meeting planners wants to test on site. That's interesting. We have a lots of tools that we, again, as, as Bill mentioned, we're evolving, right? We can't stop at one thing. So, you know, we're evolving and offering testing and other health protocols for the meeting planners that they can implement for their meeting. So I'm optimistic October, you will be fine, hopefully. And if not, you know, we can do hybrid solution. You will have fewer people in the meeting room and the rest can join you virtually. Peter, I was going to ask you about testing. Is that something you can foresee going forward that the hotels in general will have a testing kit that you test on on arrival, for example, a rapid test? We are not in a testing business. We are in a hotel business. So we, we just want to make sure that we enable our meeting planners to do testing. So we have... Uh, 
a list of vetted vendors that we reference to our meeting planners. So if you want to do in-house testing, if you want to do on-site testing, we can offer all of these vendors. Again, the, the customer or the meeting planner needs to contract with them directly. Uh, we had a request for wedding where the bride said, look, can you help me to organize wedding in your hotel? And I would like to test my 150 wedding guests in your hotel. So we do it today through our partners. So I definitely see some of it coming through, you know, and you see the rise of the the health passes or health wallets as well. So we're looking into this as well. And that's the next evolution for us. What, how can our meeting planners potentially verify that somebody has been vaccinated? So that's something that we're looking into now as well. And we, we do that internally right now. We're, we're an essential provider. Most of our uh, people have been vaccinated because we're, we're engaged in healthcare and, and dealing with um, lots of different aspects of business on the decontamination side, but even internally, we, we if we have meetings, we have tests available. We say to people, please turn up 10 minutes early, have a test, have a coffee. It's part of the preamble nowadays. It's a new language. It's a new way of working, a new way of living. And that's that's the key thing, new way of living, not just being subject to uh, to certain things. I mean, everybody needs to play the part. Definitely. Bill, I'm going to let you have the final word on this podcast. Before I do that, I just want to go back to um, the conversation that I had with Dr. Tina Joshi, um, because when I finished chatting with her, I also asked her if she felt that the widespread use of UVC technology will make people feel more confident and comfortable returning to the workplace. Yes, certainly. Knowing that microorganisms can be rendered ineffective or unable to transmit by using something such as UVC light is is incredibly important because it can make a difference across a variety of settings. It's not just one setting. You could use it in gyms, hotels, care homes, offices. It's a big game changer and it should give people the confidence to be able to go back and and live their lives almost as normal if and when we get out of the pandemic. Uh, Bill, Listening to Mark and Petter and from the conversations that you're having with your clients across different sectors, what's the outlook looking like then? Are you, are you positive that we can get people back working uh, safely and confidently? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think um, it's incumbent on businesses in across the world to actually raise standards. Um, and if we do that, then we can do it. There is no silver bullet, as we mentioned earlier. There's no one thing that makes all of this okay. We have got to do lots of many things, which goes towards the process and the uh, the protocol. And having a robust protocol that people engage with is a key thing, because if you have a protocol, but people don't engage with it, then it's as good as having no protocol. So there is a human factors aspect to all of this. It's about the risk and reward and people knowing that they have a safe environment to work, play and you know live in is is you know the the end result so from our point of view we're seeing a lot of engagement across multiple sectors hospitality you know right the way across from events and the gatherings of people whether it's at uh, at one of mark's um, large fueling locations or the manufacturing etc internationally Um, but effectively if we're having a continuum of product as well we we actually have products that deals with fast decontamination very high high levels of efficacy and validation self validating and producing that result so like a meeting we go in and we produce a test and say let's carry on with the meeting if we've actually decontaminated the room and it's got that verification backed up by science then yeah i think we've got a great future 
new technology, UVC, huge part to play in it. And I think um, engaging with key key players and key key businesses across the world that in, involved with other businesses and people, business to business, business to customer, then I think it's uh, an open conversation to have. So, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed today hearing Mark's and, and Petter's uh, perspectives coming from those two key areas. We are born in healthcare, and probably 70 to 80% of our business is always going to be in healthcare. But, as I said right at the beginning, Healthcare is not just delivered in a hospital or a care home. It's actually being delivered in the events, in the meetings, at, at work, in manufacturing. So, yeah, I, I think it's just um, raised people's awareness to ways to do things better and um, slightly differently. Maybe a little inconvenient, but guess what? You know, we've we got to do it. It's one thing that the human race is good at is adapting. Bill, if, um, if listeners want to find out more about um, Finson Tech and all the work you're doing in this space, where, where's the best place for them to go? Well, I mean, it's always the website. It's always our, our, everyone's shop window. So, yes, of course, it's www.finsontech.com. And um, we'll, um, we'll happily kind of put you in touch with any of our key partners and, um, and businesses across the world. Good stuff. Well, thank you all again for um, joining me online today. So Mark Husband, Petter Raba and Bill Passmore. And um, thanks also to Tina Joshi for her contributions too. Uh, we hope you've got a lot out of this episode. We'd love to hear any comments you may have on our discussion. So if you'd like to contribute, you can do that on our Facebook page, Twitter feed, or our YouTube channel, LinkedIn and Instagram pages. They are all linked from the top of the website at csuitepodcast.com, where you'll also find all our previous shows and supporting show notes, plus links to where you can subscribe or follow for automatic downloads of each episode via your favourite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed the show, please do give us a positive rating and review. Uh, finally, if you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, you can do that via the contact form on the website as well, or you can connect with me on Twitter using at Ross Goldsmith, or you can find me on LinkedIn. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.